else. Time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in. Third and final hour on Monday. That means it is time to turn on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And we're going to turn on the light in just a moment. We're going to play the Rolling Stones intro for Jack. But it was kind of weird last week how you were here, Jack. And as you were here, as we were starting this and about to play the Stones, that's when they announced that they were going to be at Gillette. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... um a natural venue for you and I to make the scene. <laughs> well, I was, and I was reading some stuff about it all week long about like some of the expect. It's it's going to be a pretty good tour for guys that are their age, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> well, I mean, but would you want to go on a you know hundred date tour? No, <laughs> at this point in your life, no. So I don't, I don't even want to work weekends. <laughs> it's it's pretty impress. It's pretty impressive what they're doing and still doing. And in fact, I had a chance to play um, uh, some virtual reality. This weekend, the uh, the MetaQuest headset thing, and there's a game called Beat Saber, which is apparently like one of the most popular games for that platform, and uh, where basically like you know it's three dimensional virtual reality. These notes are coming at you, and you're like slicing them up with a like a kind of like a lightsaber, hmm. and so it's kind of like I don't know if you ever played um, Rock Band or Guitar Hero, any of those games, or saw any of those. So basically, you're just slicing these music notes as they come at you. But uh, they released a Rolling Stones pack, uh-huh. and apparently it's like the most downloaded music pack for it. So even though kids are, you know, into some of the more popular stuff that they have available for that, they're getting into the Rolling Stones through this game I was reading. Yeah, I will say that when you've done something all your life, that, that's what you want to keep doing. Like you know, that's what you know how to do. That's what you're good at. So um, the Stones doing a tour in their eighties. Um, maybe they need the money, but. But maybe they just like doing it. I think what it is is they they want to make sure that as there's new generations of fans that are turning on to their music, they want to give them the chance to see them live. I think that's a, a big part of it. Anyway, let's go to one of their classic songs. Classic. Yeah. Turning on the light with Jack Blaine, columnist for New Bedford Light. Uh, first of all, how was your Thanksgiving, Jack? My Thanksgiving was wonderful. Uh, uh, one of my sisters, uh, one of my five sisters, had a um, retirement party. She's quite a bit younger than me. Uh, she was uh, retiring at 62, which... Uh, that's that's at, early for retirement. At, at 71, I haven't done that. <laughs> so, uh, But she's a teacher, and so she, they had a big um, uh, Irish... Uh, 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 dancing and uh, it's white people dancing to music. They don't really have the rhythm to dance to. It, it, it was it was quite a, quite a lot of fun, and um, uh, uh, put me in touch with some of my uh, young nieces and nephews. It was it was great. 
So, uh, of course, it's a time for, for giving thanks. It's a time for looking back at some of the things that you are thankful for over the past year. And I think some of the incumbents are thankful that they got reelected when it was uh, pretty close in some cases. Yeah, I, I don't want to take anything away from the incumbents who, who did manage to get reelected because it was a tough, particularly in the city council side, um, a tough reelection for them to survive in. And, and um, particularly Linda Morad and, and Naomi Carney, which were on the cusp, um, did did survive and in fact broadened their leads in the from the preliminary to the final election. But I did want to, I had had talked to some people in the wake of the election who were discouraged and who said that you can never beat incumbents in New Bedford. The system is rigged, everything from the order of the ballot to everything is rigged for the incumbents. And I want to look into the actual numbers. So I did a little crunching of, of the numbers over the last five years, which gives you three city council elections to look at and two mayoral elections to look at. And what I found was that three of the four longest-term incumbents in New Bedford have had significant declines in the last five years, Mayor Mitchell, Councilor Morad, and Councilor Carney. Councilor Gomes, who has actually been the longest of all of them at 32 years, has been sort of up and down. You may remember that Councilor Gomes had a... Um, uh, a, a, a boarded run for mayor uh, in uh, five five years, four years ago, and he went down to fifth in council then, so you really couldn't go much lower and, and survive. And then he went up to second uh, two years ago, and then he went back down to third this year. So his numbers have been up and down. But the um, other councilors and the mayor have been significantly down. The mayor went from a 72% share against Tyson Moultrie in 2019 to a 63% share uh, this year. So that's a, that's a significant drop against an opponent who was the same guy. I, I will say that there was not the um, uh, negative publicity. There's a lot of negative publicity about Moultrie four years ago and, and his um, resume, which seemed to be inflated. Um, people knew that this year, but it wasn't really um, pounded upon and publicized the way that it was um, because it was unveiled uh, four years ago. Um, the mayor kind of ran an invisible campaign. Um, but I think it shows that there is some dissatisfaction. You can say, Jack, you, you're criticizing a guy that got 63% of the vote. Most politicians would be very happy to get that. But four years ago, he got 72% of the vote against the same person. Yeah, I mean, part of that could be just, you know, John Mitchell fatigue. Part of that could be, you know, people thinking maybe somebody else deserves a chance. Part of that could be, you know, when, when Tyson Moultrie ran... Last time he was very new to the city, whereas this time now he's been here for for another four years. So that might have had an impact on how people looked at him. It doesn't doesn't really matter the reasons. Mitchell was less popular, you know, and the same for councilors Morad and Carney. Um, they survived, but they are less popular. And um, I, I heard you in the intro uh, on the way driving in. And the council race is a little different than the mayor's race because you have a share of five vote so you don't get like a 50% share you get like a 15% share is a good share a 10% share you know barely gets you on usually and what you saw was Councilor Morad and Connie uh, Councilor Morad declining from second to fifth place I believe during that time and uh, Connie from third to fifth place uh, uh, it's a tie for fourth and fifth so you could say they only declined to fourth but you could say also that they declined to fifth because they actually received the actual same number of votes from different precincts, but the same number of votes. Um, so I thought that it showed that dissatisfaction. I, I just wanted to do that research because I felt that um, there was, a, particularly some of the defeated candidates and some of the um, uh, activists uh, 
who had been active in the um, anti-incumbents campaign were, were saying, see, you can't beat the incumbents in New Bedford. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. So you did look at some of the possibilities as to why voters might have opted for the opposition. Uh, as you pointed out with Mayor Mitchell, you know, his reliance on the future of offshore wind. Some people don't agree with that. Uh, and with the council, you pointed directly to the pay raise, uh, the salary reclassification yeah. uh, situation. So you, and these are just two examples of things that people are looking at to say, well, you know, maybe... Maybe I do want to see things go in a different direction. Yeah, I think there was the salary reclassification. I think there was the water you know, failing to take the, 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 the low interest loan from the state to upgrade the water and sewer thing, which will, which kept uh, sewer and water rates under control for a year, but down the road will make them increase by an even greater amount. And then the, with Mayor Mitchell, there was also the parallel products, which I think hurt him in some sections of the city, not all, but but some sections. Um, uh, so, uh, and, I, and I think mayoral council relations in general have not been good, and I think that's an ingredient in it. So, should there be people that are looking at this and saying maybe I will run? May, whether it be people who, you know, came in sixth, seventh, eighth this time around, may it be it's somebody yeah. who has been thinking about it but hasn't run yet? Yeah, I think I think they can look at it that way. I think they can also look at it. I I, I just think that that this defeatism I hear in the city sometimes is that it's just impossible to beat the incumbents. You know, and and some people were using it to say, see, that's the way it is. Now, the at-large incumbents is different than the ward incumbents. The ward incumbents get beaten all the time. We had one beaten in ward six, two years ago. We had one beaten in ward one this year. Um, so that they, they get beaten, particularly in the competitive wards, which are one, five, and six. But uh, I think that, that um, you know, people can, I mean, Debbie Coelho came from nowhere. She was a, a neighborhood activist and finished third in her first time out. It takes a lot. You've got to raise a little bit of money. You've got to have name recognition. You've got to get out there. But um, I don't think it's impossible. And I also think that um, there is a possibility I, uh, uh, of changing this order of the ballot. The city of Boston has opted out of the state's you know, system, and other towns have opted out of the state system that the incumbents have to go first on the ballot. I haven't pinned down um, yet uh, because the elections office was not able to tell me uh, without doing some research last week whether that can be accomplished only by the city council voting for it or whether you can collect signatures and get the, um, the reform to be done that way. But I hope to be able to report more about that later. Yeah, because if it's going to be up to the council, there's no chance of it happening. Why would they want to do yeah. something that gives them any kind of an yeah. advantage? One of, the of most, one of the most disappointing things to me is how quickly people who get elected to the council try to become part of the team. And they talk about term limits before they get in the council and then as soon as they get on the council they're against term limits and you know Ian Abel I think has been a good city councillor he's a councillor who's against term limits I, you know although he does talk about not wanting to run you know indefinitely the way some councillors have uh, you know so I think you know I I like to hear even incumbents I, I think one thing you can say about Dana Ribeiro when she said she would serve three terms and that's what she served you know, I, I just think that there are benefits to being on the council, not the least of which is getting on the state retirement system at 10 years. If you can get the five terms, uh, the more the longer you're there, the more money you accumulate into that. You know, you know, I think it's a big motivation, um, not for all, but but for some. Uh, I think that, you know, just the, the powers of the office, you know, I think people think that 
I can do it better than anyone else. And I, I really don't think, whether it's mayor, city council, school committee, that, you know, I, I think, I'm not saying you only have to serve three terms, but I think when you get in the realm of 20 years, 30 years, give somebody else a chance, bring some new ideas in. Uh, so you had mentioned in the column that if they did opt out of that plan, and if there is a way that it can be done, you know, probably through petition, um, that it would go into a lottery system. So how exactly would that work? It would just take all the incumbents, uh, all the all the candidates' names into a lottery? Well, I, I believe, and again, I'm waiting the research on this, but I believe you can configure that ballot any which way you want. I mean, some towns have done it by a lottery system, which is the fairest way. Because some people say alphabetical lottery, but that's not really fair because there is an advantage to being Ian Abu and coming first on the ballot. Some people... So I think a, a digital lottery, some sort of, you know, you press the buttons and the numbers come up or, or something, or, or maybe you have all the names in a hat or, or, or whatever, and it, it changes every year. You know, you, you can put um, candidate for re-election. That's another thing that they allow you to do. I'm not sure about that. You can put veteran. You can put all kinds of things that are supposedly meant to help you um, on the ballot. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't made up my mind whether we should have any of that on the ballot, but but that's the law. You can put things on there. So you can configure these ballots the way you want. Um, the state, the state would have to change their laws to change the state ballot. But but the city ballot, my understanding is, and again, I, I'm waiting to research, you have to, you, ha you, you have to opt out of it. We were talking before, did you say that if you're a doctor, you can actually have doctor put on there? No, I don't know about doctor, okay. but you can put candidate for re-election and you can put veteran. Those are two things I know you can put on. Because I was going to say, that's, you know, that's kind of irrelevant. an unfair thing. It's yeah. irrelevant. I mean, it's, it's an impressive thing. Good for you that you achieved becoming a doctor, but it's not really relevant to, to, to whether you would be a better counselor. Well, you can check out that column at newbedfordlight.org if you want to read more about it. And we can talk more about it. But right now, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. More Turning on the Light with Jack Spillane. And welcome back in. We are Turning on the Light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And uh, we will talk some more about some of the uh, great stuff at New Bedford Light coming up after the news. Uh, but Jack, I got to ask you, how'd you sleep last night? I slept okay. <laughs> well, you could have slept better if you had slept on a Whirly Beds bed. Uh, right now, you can get yourself a great deal on a Whirly Beds bed, but you really can anytime. By the way, make sure that you go to whirlybeds.com if you're going to go there and do some mattress shopping or looking for a new bed or whatever it may be. They always have coupons and different things available on their website for you to be able to print out or show them and bring down there and get yourself a good deal. But uh, they really do take care of you there because at Whirly Beds, they're your friends. They're your neighbors. They're making these mattresses right here in New Bedford. They're making them for you. So if you are looking to get a better night's sleep, they are the people to talk to. They will spend the time to customize your choice to make sure that you are getting the right mattress for you. It might be an adjustable bed because maybe you need to have uh, some different uh, positions while you sleep. Maybe it's an adjustable bed for two different people so you can each have your own adjustments on your own side. Maybe it's one of those cooling mattresses that keeps you warm when it's cold and keeps you cool when it's warm. And those kind of things can make a big difference in the quality of your night's sleep. And I, I actually went in to talk to my... Um, my sleep doctor the other day, because, you know, I've got apnea and all that stuff. And when uh, when I was talking to him, the first question he asked was, how's your mattress? 
And that's how much of a difference it makes in the quality of sleep that you get. So go down to Worley Beds. They're located on Pope's Island in New Bedford. You can check out some of the stock. You can try it all out. You can see them actually making the mattresses in the back. And then you can also go to their website too, worleybeds.com, if you want to try to peruse some of what they have there. But also, really, as you know, with anything, it's always better to go to try it for yourself and to see exactly how it works. And they will make sure that you get the right mattress for you at Whirly Beds Factory Outlet, Pope's Island in New Bedford. Full disclosure, I actually have a Whirly Bed. Yeah, we'll see. That's why you're <laughs> sleeping so well. Uh, but really, it is kind of amazing how much sleep dictates how well everything else goes for the rest of yeah. the day. And I always like to buy local if I can. Like, you know, if, if there is a local business that is in the business, like Whirly Beds is, I, I always like to give them my, my business. Did you ever try that um, that different sleep pattern i know a lot of like millennials were doing this where they would go to bed at like seven o'clock at night get up at like one in the morning and then try to do some things for a couple of hours and then go back to sleep for a couple of hours and then wake up for their day apparently they, they call it like a farmer schedule or something where there's supposed to be like peak peak like um industrious time would be right when you woke up if you were going to be awake from like one to three a.m to do things, to get things done, and then go back to sleep again at three. I've no, never been able to do it. No, I've never done that on purpose. I mean, I, I have nights sometimes where I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. And what I do is I read for a while or, or watch TV and, and go back to sleep. But but um, I, I can't say that I have deliberately... I, I'm a terrible person for alarm clocks anyway. I, I just throw them across the room, like, you know, so... so uh, 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 but, uh, no, I have not tried that schedule. I had a, a Mickey Mouse alarm clock with the, you know, the hands, the Mickey hands, and it was the two bells on the top, yeah. and it was so loud, and I lived in a neighborhood, Wareham Swifts Beach neighborhood, where all the houses are kind of close together, that it would wake up my neighbors, like yeah. with the windows closed, so I had to yeah. stop using it. Nowadays, I just use my cell phone, which has, Me too. Know, does everything else. Like yeah, that. might as well. Well, the one thing that my phone doesn't do... Actually, it gives me a lot of news because I get the, get it right from the WBSM.com uh, and the WBSM app. But one thing it can't do is give us the news on the radio, which is what Ariel's going to do for us right now. So let's go into the newsroom with Ariel Dorsey. Elon Musk is in Israel today where he met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The billionaire took a tour of a kibbutz attack as part of the mass assault by the Palestinian militant group Hamas on October 7th. The suspect arrested in Vermont in connection with the shooting of three 20-year-old students of Palestinian descent is expected to be arraigned today. 48-year-old Jason Eaton was arrested yesterday near the scene of the attack, which is being looked at as a possible hate crime. According to a police department news release, the three were walking down a street early Saturday evening when they were confronted by a white male who opened fire without saying a word. Two of the victims were listed in stable condition, where the third suffered much more more serious injuries. A federal court panel will consider the gag order today in former President Trump's civil fraud trial in New York City. Trump has on several occasions railed against the judge and court staff in his Manhattan trial, leading to the gag order imposed last month. That order was later temporarily blocked by an appeals court, at least until today's proceedings. More than 30,000 Honda Accords and HRVs are being recalled after potentially dangerous seatbelts. The recall affects 2023 and 2024 models. Some of the seatbelts were assembled missing a rivet that tightens the belt to restrain people in the event of a crash. Parts of the country are seeing cold 
cold weather as people head home from the Thanksgiving holiday. In the Great Lakes region, below average temps will trigger lake effects. Snow and travel could be dangerous in parts of the Midwest into the Northeast. Heavy rain is also possible along the Gulf Coast and mid-Atlantic into New England. It's Cyber Monday and time to look for those hidden sales. Analysts say beware of scams, though, and do your research. If you want to purchase something and don't know much about the company, Google the name and type scam or research after it or contact your local Better Business Bureau. In sports, the Patriots' losing streak is up to four games after falling 10-7 to to the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. Mac Jones started the game under center for the Pats. He completed 12 of 21 for 89 yards and two interceptions before being benched once again. Bailey Zappi completed 9 of 14 for 54 yards and a pick. New England is now last in the AFC East and will host the Los Angeles Chargers this week. The Celtics bounced back from their recent loss with a 113-103 victory over the Atlantic Hawks in Boston. Jason Tatum led all scorers with 34 points and came within one rebound of recording a double-double. Jalen Brown chipped in with 21 points. Derek White led all players with 11 assists. And Al Horford collected a game-high 15 rebounds. The Celtics are now leading the Atlantic Division and will host the Chicago Bulls for an in-season tournament group play game tomorrow night at TD Garden. The Bruins have dropped back-to-back games entering tonight's battle against the Blue Jackets. Boston is hoping to bounce back from a disappointing loss to the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. And the Bruins are still leading the Atlantic Division with 31 points, and Columbus is last in the Metropolitan Division with 16 points. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. After all that rain overnight tonight, we should see conditions clearing gradually. Temperatures around 50, dry and blustery. Not ruling out some splash over along the immediate coastline due to the gusty winds. Mostly sunny this afternoon. Breezy and overnight tonight. Temperatures dip into the upper 20s. Cold in the upper 30s with mostly sunny and breezy conditions for tomorrow. Show to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Welcome back in, and uh, we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Jack, we have a caller here. Let's, uh, right. let's take that. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Oh, no. Hold on. That's the wrong one. Good morning, guys. Good How morning, you doing? Jack. Hey there. Uh, I wanted to call in because you were on, Jack. First, I want to start off by saying I appreciate everything that you do for the city with New Bedford Light, so uh, thank you there. Thank you. Um, so I really have um, a question about the appointments and briefings meetings on November 14th. I'd really like to get your take on kind of the you know, stuff that went on in the chambers as well as there's three counselors that are holding the videos and not releasing to the public so the public can actually see what happened that day. Curious your take on that. So um, I was not there. So everything I know, I've heard secondhand. And, and um, I did ask Councilor Morad about it when I was filling in for Tim uh, last Friday, a week ago Friday. And uh, she said that, that the version that has been put out there was not accurate, but she did not want to take questions at that time um, as to uh, what was the accurate version. So I, I would like to see um, some of those uh, videotapes. Uh, uh, I did FOIA request those videos. 
because they were used in the act of being a member of the council, um, the way the law is written, you that have access to that. So I did FOIA those videos because there's three people that have videos. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I've been looking into this. You have Shane Berga, um, which recorded a video. Um, you have Maria Triesta and you have Linda Morad. My question is why haven't they released these videos? If the version is different with my quotations going up. So um, I'm not sure what the law is here. I'm not a lawyer. If they took them on their personal cell phones, how do we know they took them for their personal uh, information as opposed to public information? If they took it for the public information, I'd still think there might be some legal issues, um, uh, how they took it. But I, I do think that there needs to be more discussion about what happened that night because you had a sitting city councilor walk out because he felt that what was going on in the council chambers was so disturbing. Uh, uh, there have been two, um, uh, uh, well, Carlos Felix is part of the media and um, social media, and Gilly uh, Safiolos um, is a longtime activist in the city. Uh, if they were in any way acting rude, the council has the ability to address those things. But if they were just being there and doing what other people do, then that's uh, uh, something the council would have to explain. Uh, I understand from Ian's version of it that it had to do with Gilly talking to, to Ian. Uh, Linda says something else happened. So we need to know more. I know that there is an executive session scheduled for the council meeting the first week of December. Uh, yes, we're having a protest that day as well. To, uh, because that, that so I think, who is, this, who is this caller? Because I, I think you should identify. This is Craig. Craig, okay, Craig. I thought it might be you. Uh, yeah, only, I only ask you that because if, 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 you, if you're going to be involved, we, we should know who you are. But oh, absolutely. I'm going to be involved. Absolutely. My name is Craig Tuzinski. Yeah, um, yep. I did start a uh, group called New Bedford Citizens where we're going to put everything on there. So Sure. Um, sure. No, I, yeah, I, I know who you are. I, I, don't, um, you know, I don't know you personally, but I, I know who you are. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'd be interested. That that's an executive session to deal with safety issues um, facing the council and if there are any safety issues. I'd like to know what there are, those are. I mean, if they are personal threats or anything like that, then certainly that should not be tolerated. Um, if there is any activity that that is seen as endangering people, that should not be tolerated. But I do think that, I think a lot of this issue could be done in public, not in executive session, because whatever did or didn't happen there, I think reflects on the way the council is being conducted in and um, you know, there's been some things that happened over the last year that taking out of seats that I'm concerned about because, it, it, you know, it, I think there's some evidence that that's a, uh, a, 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 an attempt to, uh, uh, to get Gilly's signs out of the, the council camera lens. And so, I, 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 you know, I don't necessarily agree with any of his signs and what they say, but I think he has a right to, to do them, you know, um, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you're actually on the same side as me. I agree, right? I'm not saying I agree with everything that Gilly does sideline, but we have a First Amendment right, and if it's not here, where else is it going to go? Right? We shouldn't have a private meeting. If they want to discuss it, that's their right, right? Everybody has the right to discuss anything that they'd like, as far as the council as well. But I don't think they have the... Well, they do have the right to go in private. I don't want that to come out wrong, but I don't think they should go in private for something like this. Yeah, there, there are two good sides to every story. So I, I, I do think I would like the other counselors um, to uh, comment on it. I, I, I don't see why it can't be commented in public. Um, if there are safety issues, then maybe that's something that should be in private. But even a safety threat to a, a city councilor should be known by the public, I think. 
I agree. And my question is, is maybe I don't know of an incident, but has any city councilor ever been injured in the chambers by a resident? Has anything ever happened though, that I'm not aware of? I'm trying to think. Nothing uh, I can think when, of. when I first got to New Bedford um, uh, uh, 24 years ago, there, there was some sort of incident between, I think, Councillor Jojo Forts then and a member of the public uh, that was adjudicated in court. I think it involved someone throwing water in a, in a, in a, in 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 the, in the council's face, but I, I I'd have to look up to find out what the exact circumstances were. But uh, beyond that, I'm trying to think. And I've heard of uh, councilors being chased outside of city hall, things like that. But an actual physical altercation, I'm trying to remember. I I can't think of one. Yeah, I, I haven't thought of one either. So if you find one, let me know. I'd love to know because if there hasn't been an incident yet to date. And from my understanding, there hasn't been physical threats in the chamber. You know, again, a private safety meeting. This is all just to change the way things are going on in the chambers and to hide things. Linda's been on this tear for a long time, which I'm sure you know. Um, so I just think us as citizens, we need to stand up and say, hey, no private meeting. If we show up on December 4th before they vote for the meeting um, to go private and have our voices heard, Maybe maybe that'll work, and they'll actually discuss things in front of the citizens like it should be. Right, and, and people should certainly follow the rules of council decorum and behavior while they're in the council chambers. Yeah. 150%, okay. I agree. Thank you for the call. Not a problem. Have a good day. Bye. And, you, too, you know, that, that brings up a, a, a point that I wanted to make with you is, um, and this is kind of completely not related to it, but also related to it, is that finally now the council meetings are going to be live streamed. I think that's wonderful. I think I think that's needed, especially with uh, the, the number of seats being slightly reduced. I know uh, City Clerk uh, Dennis Farias replaced some seats that have been removed with seats on the other side of the, the chamber. I heard that those seats have a, a bit of an obstructed view. I, ha I haven't um, examined it as closely as I should uh, to know about that. Um, there's a big new television screen evidently I'm, I'm not sure why it has to be that big but but there's a new television screen that they had a mobile one before which i kind of liked because you could you could change it in different positions depending on what you wanted but but um uh they have this new one on the wall I, they seem to think it's necessary uh um it is a, a digital era uh and they had to be praised for doing the council meetings live, uh, that has been... My recollection, and people tell me that I'm wrong, is that they, when I first got here 24 years ago, that they did do them live. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they've always been just taped. Um, but in a digital age, the technology exists to do it live, so I'm finally... Uh, uh, I'm glad that New Bedford has finally been able to do that. I mean, there were people who I'm sure would want to take part in seeing what goes on in these meetings, but didn't want to go down to City Hall for a variety of reasons. Parking, you know, they, that's the time that they've got to cook dinner for the family, whatever. There's a variety or, of reasons yeah. that they might not be able to make it down Conve there. Convenience and health and safety are the big ones. But, but I also think that there's something to be said for being there in person. Because when you're there in person, it's a different experience. You can see more of the room all at once than you can see when you're not there in person. Um, I like the balcony to be opened again. They talk about safety issues. The balcony was open for many, many decades in the history. I know we're more concerned about safety now than we were in the past, but they, they were able to erect like, you know, a plexiglass and things like that. Um, so I like to see the balcony opened up because it has been closed for a long time. Um, I know there's been some renovations going on, but um, it's only a handful of nights a year 
where the council chambers are crowded. But on those nights that it's crowded, people want to be there. They want to um, express their views. Uh, you know, I understand that the, um, the public comment period is not at the council meetings, but at the appointments and briefings meetings, which um, I guess I understand it. But I, I think it should be a little more prominent, maybe at the beginning of the meeting. But Well, we can talk some more about that. We can talk more with you, 508-996-0500. But right now, we've got to take a break. We'll be right back. We are back, turning on the light with Jack Blaine of New Bedford Light. And there's a great story at newbedfordlight.org about the new book that is out celebrating the street art in New Bedford, which I think, Jack, at this point, you know, as we're talking about the influence that New Bedford has had on the South Coast art scene and on the Massachusetts art scene, the street art around this city has become something that is well worthy of a book. For sure, but definitely worthy of, uh, of more praise. Yes, uh, 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 the name of the book is On the Wall, Posters, Street Art, and it's a celebration of the super flat, New Bedford Superflat, uh, Superflat New Bedford, I guess is what it's called. Um, and anybody who knows New Bedford knows that in the last 10 years, there's just been a blossoming of street art. There's always some, but it just has really exploded, and it's wonderful. I am a little bit concerned about it because... Um, my barber, full disclosure, Jeff St. Pierre, uh, is one of the um, street artists. Uh, he goes by Saint. And I'm not sure that that um, the individual artists are compensated well enough um, in any of these things. Street art is a, a, a wonderful phenomenon, but it's kind of ephemeral. It comes and it goes. I mean, some of them last for like 10, 15 years, but some of them last for a few weeks. And some of it is quite good. I, I had a friend of mine... Um, Comment to my social media pages one time questioning whether it was it was a little more than cartoons and was not art and I actually think cartoons are art too so you know I I am um, I think it is I think it's uh, some of the most vibrant art that we have and um, uh, anybody who wants to buy this book which is by Simon and Schuster I I do have mixed emotions about it because uh, as I understand and people who know more about it can say more about it than I know. Um, that uh, there are questions about what the artists share, you know, and, and, and artists have a hard enough time making a living to begin with. And this is a Simon & Schuster publication on the walls, posted street art. So somebody who knows more about it can call in and say what the definitive story is with it. It's, it's written by Don Wilkinson, who um, is a longtime art critic. I used to work at the Senior Times, has come over to the New Bedford Light. Uh, so we're proud to have him. And... Um, uh, definitely, super flat New Bedford is is, is a treasure. Uh, if you if you call up our website today, which is very, I'll do a little plug, newbedfordlight.org. There's a great uh, photo of um, this one in Wings Court, I think it is, where a guy is uh, is sort of uh, doing a um, uh, an acrobatic movement. That's you know a, a, a little break dance in there, hip hip hop break break dance, which is just wonderfully done and you can see how good it is and a lot of businesses are incorporating that too on some of their walls you know ma's donuts just so grandma's donuts just put a new mural up on the side and uh there's another store downtown that just put up a new so you're seeing a lot more of these pop up you know for for business purposes as well as for art yeah the hamill waxley allen and collins uh, building and you've even had some political commentary there's been some edgy stuff uh of, of, of palestine versus israel at wings court the last month so that's part of what art is and um, uh, so it's it's uh, it's uh, great stuff in my opinion. It, yeah. It's all over the city now. Well, uh, let's uh, let's take a phone call here. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning. How you doing? Hi. 
I never know if I'm on or not. <laughs> but um, I, I just wanted to say about about the council. I I think a lot of new candidates ran this time around, and some of them did very well for first time out. And I think a lot of people were hoping to see change as far as breaking up that. I want to say click. There's like a click that, um, and I don't think it's any secret to anybody that Linda Morad specifically, if she doesn't win or doesn't do as well as she wanted, she seems to hold a grudge, whether it's against the mayor or her fellow counselors. She got back in. She has enough support. And I'm not saying it's just her, but I feel as though somehow she's connected to all of the little disruptions that go on. And it's not acceptable to people that vote, you know, to anybody that this is continuing to go on. I was hoping that one of the former counselors got bounced out and it would kind of break up that little click. Because I feel as though <clears throat> she's kind of throwing her weight around. She was a very good counselor at one point, fiscally conservative and very knowledgeable. But I think she's just letting whatever angers her unleash on everyone else. And it's just giving a bad take and and the president as well. Let let me ask you a question, though. You know, that that being said, do you think do you also put it on the other counselors, too, that if that's the way that things are being run, that they're not speaking up to to say something about it, to, to, to go against that grain? Well, that's that's what I was going to say, because now this is the council we have. This is who this is who you know, has been voted on. So people need to realize, because I feel like she kind of decides you're either with her or against her and then tries to get everybody together because I don't think she would be able to pull this off if they were standing up and saying, this is not okay. And it's tricky when she's the president and when she has a lot more years experience than maybe some of the new ones. But I feel like, She's got a grudge to getting people under her wing. And it's like, we're going to go against this one and that one. This is inappropriate because I, I don't even know what went on. I was not there, but I can guarantee Ian didn't create this situation because of who he is. And I can guarantee from everything she's shown of herself, she did create the situation. So if everybody called her, even if it wasn't publicly, called her on what she did and say, hey, you know, this is no way to run business. This isn't fair to the voters at all. No. Well, we only no, got a couple minutes her- here. Well, let me just get Jack's uh, response. Yeah, I, I think the caller is, 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 is right in that Councilor Moret is, um, seems to be in the center of a lot of the council controversy. And um, I think it's, it's, it's hard because she, she is very fiscally conservative in some ways, in, in other ways, not so much. But, but she has strong feelings about things and 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 i think that when she's uh doesn't find a relationship productive whether that's with the press or with the mayor she doesn't she doesn't engage and she has a, she, she can't be all bad though because she did get back in and she elicits this devotion from some counselors who as the caller says may be afraid to speak up against her that may be why they're keeping quiet uh because they're afraid of, of what she might do but on the other hand, they may just like her. They, they may just, you know, think that that the um, things that the mayor is doing or the things that um, the press is doing are not right. And so, you know, she has her following. I, I, do, I, I do think she is in the middle of controversy. And I think she hurts herself when, you know, um, 
something happens like happened. Council Abel walks out of uh, between the two meetings and makes a statement as to why he did. And she says he's wrong, but, but won't explain why he's wrong. Then we're left. And then, and then we have an executive session right. being scheduled. You know, it, it seems the, the thing has already happened in public. It didn't happen in private. And you're just making it look like there's, you know, something that you're not being straightforward about. I got to just hold you there, Jack, so we can take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few moments. All right. We are finishing up here with Jack's plane of New Bedford Light. Thank you to everybody that called in today. Jack, what are you working on this week? So the Steeple Playhouse opened up at uh, the Old First Baptist Church for the first time two weeks ago. And they were open again last week. Uh, they had uh, Murder on the Orient Express, one of the classic uh, uh, plays that is easy to enjoy. And... Um, I went to it and I sat down and talked to uh, some of the um, uh, movers and shakers over at your theater who are, your theater is going to run the Steeple Playhouse at First Baptist Church. It's a 10-year process to get that, that thing up and running and it's a, a, 